Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You can't go in there unless you're doing a 20, 30 stretch. You can't do this thing where you ignore and do your own thing. You have to be in there 10 years before anyone respects your space. You have to turn into someone who you're not to... Survive. Yeah. This is A Bit of a Stretch, the podcast. I'm Chris Atkins, and I'm a filmmaker who was jailed for tax fraud in 2016. I got sentenced to five years served two and a half, and I've written a book about my time in Wandsworth Prison, also called A Bit of a Stretch. In jail, I met loads of fascinating characters, and since I got out, I've recorded over 20 conversations with ex-prisoners. Their stories are heartbreaking, uplifting, funny, shocking, and often downright weird. The names have been changed, but their voices are real. They'll take us headfirst into the worst prison crisis in history and reveal a broken system that is failing victims and the wider public. All the previous episodes have been based around a different theme. This final bonus episode is the loose ends. All the strong material that just didn't fit into any of the main themes. Lots of listeners have asked to hear more about open prison and the best person to talk about that is my old friend Simon. I had a 24-7 licence, which meant wherever the prisoner wanted me to go and drive somewhere to take someone to hospital or to pick somebody up, I would just get called up into one of the minibuses and, and drive. So I was able to go in and out as, as directed. Open prisons are for low-risk offenders, and we were allowed out during the day to work, study and see our families. But when prisoners came back onto camp, there was strong temptation to smuggle in contraband. Every time I came back in, that was an opportunity to bring things to back. To smuggling cheese. Focusing on the cheese, at one point, they found some cheese. Some brie was found in the glove compartment of the bus that I was driving. But for every bit of brie that got caught with, there were ten camemberts that made it. It's a costume business. There was one Christmas get-together, our little middle-class clique that we had at Spring Hill. Mm. We were all mm. eating cheese and playing carols. And you just said aloud... You know, I think every single piece of cheese in here has been in my pants at some stage. I can remember a number of times thinking that an officer was joking with me. They'd say, wait, you got some new trainers? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have. All right, come on, up to reception. The rules on clothing were bizarrely strict at our open prison. 
Every item had to be logged on a handwritten property card. And if we were caught wearing trainers that weren't on our prop card, there would be trouble. So I'd go back up to reception thinking, well, you know, they're just gonna have a laugh at me. And I'd get written up for it. I'd, I'd get a report. For having a pair of trainers that wasn't on your card. And I'll tell you what I'd done, is I would have gone home and I would have come back in a different pair of shoes. One point I'd bought a new pair of trainers and I was going back and I was so paranoid because they were white as well and they were almost glowing. And I felt so self-conscious. I think that was my problem, yeah. You just stepped in the puddle. I'm going to get stood down, I'm not going to see my son this weekend. All that goes through your head. So no, I did actually went and found some mud and rubbed <laughs> I was mud. joking. No, I did this <laughs> all over my brand new white trainers. And then I just walked in with a pair of... Like I just walked through a swamp. That prison has let out people who have murdered people whilst they've been out. So there was a guy who had been a murderer. He was at Spring Hill. They gave him day release. Went off and killed someone. The individual who made that decision survived. They're still there. So you can almost get away with something as serious as that. But can I bring an extra pair of trainers in? No. What, how, why? How, how can you even ask such a question? The one sort of shadow director, if you like, of the whole prison service is the Daily Mail. Explain that. How do you mean? It's the fear of what the Daily Mail would make of a story. The Daily Mail will, will attack everything that doesn't involve hanging prisoners upside down by their toenails. The idea that prisoners are drawing pictures of trees outside in the sunshine during their art lessons. How disgusting is that? I remember one story where they discovered that prisoners were allowed to eat chocolate and they were horrified. As you can probably guess, Simon, like me, is pretty middle class. When he arrived in prison, he was a real fish out of water and initially struggled to understand much of the language. My first coming across the word bear, which in street language means a lot of, plentiful. Yes. There was bear paintings on the wall there, you know, the guy had bear girls after him. And I remember at Scrubs, we'd have what they call a dirty protest. What's a dirty protest? A dirty protest is when you cover your cell with your excrement, uh, you throw it out the window. If there was ever excrement in the yard, and you couldn't then go out on your exercise because that would be a health hazard. I remember almost about to go out and all the prisoners were coming back in from the yard. And this young youth saying to the officer, oh, gov, there's bear shit in the yard. Bear shit. Because I was... There's bear shit in the yard. But how did a bear get into the yard? What about bird killer? <laughs> don't. I can't tell that story. You can. Just don't say the guy's name. This is where humour really comes into the dark side. Because you are surrounded by darkness. And if you stop to think about some of the crimes, it would be very difficult. I meet this guy and he's done 25 years in prison for murdering his wife. And he's coming to the end of his 25 years and... I remember him once talking about chess and how I hadn't really taken my game on any further in prison and hadn't played much of it. And he said, no, you really, yeah, well, you really should because it's a real bird killer. What? You're a what? You're a, you're a, no, the game. The game is a bird killer. Bird is a shortening for prison time. Bird is a shorten for prison time. Yes. So you're a bird killer. It kills your prison time, reduces your prison time, makes time go quicker, is yes. what he was saying. But of course, he was also a bird He had killer. killed his bird. He had killed his bird. I was sitting having lunch with someone and they got up to go away and you just leant over to me and went, stabbed his wife 147 times. I mean, as if 146 wasn't enough. <laughs> and I was like, thank you. I was just like having a nice conversation with yeah, him. Do you know, know what I mean? And of course, it's a heinous thing to take someone's life. But you move 
through your life and 25 years later these people are full of regret and full of uh, anxiety about it and have been punished. Society says 25 years. The punishment's done. If you don't believe it, then maybe put them in for 30 years. But at some point, they have been punished. You've got punished. to let them out, yeah. And like all criminals, at some point, you've been punished. Is what about the future victims? What about the people that have yet to become a victim of crime? And they will become a victim of crime because our prison service isn't doing its job at reducing reoffending. That's the big question. Mm. And I don't understand why no one's asking that. My book and podcast have solely focused on British prisons, as Wandsworth was in the UK and most of my contacts were in the same system. But I've become good friends with a guy called David Birmingham, who was extradited to America in 2006 as part of the Enron scandal. He was facing over 30 years behind bars, so copped a plea for a heavily reduced sentence and went to a federal prison in California. There were about 1,500 inmates, 900 Latinos, um, and then the other 600 were sort of half white, half black. There was exactly one Englishman, and that was me. It probably took me two days to realise I was not going to get harmed. If you're not a tall tulip, if you don't stick out, if you're not a threat to anybody, you're going to be just fine. So the idea is not to, to put yourself in the firing line of violence or gang warfare. Just let it all go on around you. And was it going on around you? Oh, completely. I mean, American prisons are run largely on gang lines. And for the most part, there's a sort of an uneasy truce. But every now and again, the truce breaks down and there are proper fights and, and occasionally people get killed. But if you're on the outside of that... So, for instance, I, I played football or uh, soccer, as they would call it there, one of the Latino teams. So what, it was you and 10 Latinos? Correct. And then there would be you know, 890 Latinos from all the other gangs stood on the sidelines hurling abuse at you which was um, somewhat amusing. So my job consisted of sweeping the recreation yard, which started at seven o'clock in the morning and went on till half past 10, which is when lunch was. But I could do the job in about 25 minutes. And thereafter, I was free just to walk around uh, the wreck on a daily basis. And given that it was California, every day is Groundhog Day. It was clear blue skies and 80 degrees. It's, it's not the worst way to spend your time. So you got a good town? I got a really good town. I got fit as a butcher's dog, yeah. How did other prisoners react to this eccentric, tanned Englishman walking around the yard? Most people don't really give a damn. Those who are in any way interested were genuinely interested because I think everybody has one way or another a fascination um, in England and all that it stands for. And I made a lot of friends in there, some of whom I still to this day connect with. Did you hear people's stories? Were you shocked by what you heard in terms of why people were in prison? As a general rule in American prisons, you tend not to talk about your offence. But what is known is length of sentence, and the sentences in America are many, many multiples of the, the, the typical sentence in, in the UK. So my sentence, which was 37 months, was tiny compared with the vast majority of the inmates, many of whom were looking at sort of upwards of 30 years. There was one guy who was a first-time offender, but his mistake was to live in Montana at a time when they declared war on methamphetamine. Uh, he was a biker, he ran with a gang, and he used to cook the meth for the biking group. And as a consequence, the, the federal government gave him the option on a plea deal of uh, signing up to 25 years in prison with no parole or going to trial and then pushing for life without parole. And so as a 25-year-old father of one, he ended up doing 25 years on a first-time offence. Now, methamphetamine is a particularly dreadful drug. 
let's not underplay that. But in the UK, he'd probably have got six months or a slap on the wrist. We were entitled to 300 minutes a month of telephone time. The difficulty I had was that I was in California, which is obviously an eight-hour time difference. And so actually managing to speak to my family at a time when the children were available was very, very difficult, particularly during um, term time. So you'd speak to your kids, what, once or twice a week? or Yes. But you physically didn't see them? No. Visiting in prison in America is a truly grim experience for the visitors. How do you mean? Well, you're just made to wait for hours and hours and hours. You're routinely strip-searched. You're, you know, just made to feel like dirt and you're surrounded by some very unpleasant people at the same time so you might get a visit of an hour a complete non-starter so you thought it might just do more harm than good completely hey it's ryan reynolds and i'm here with keith co-star of my upcoming film if only in theaters may 17th do you want to tell people the big news all right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. I went through five American prisons, and, and the main reason for that was because in order to get back to the UK under the prisoner transfer treaty, you have to stage out of New York. And so to get from California to New York, you essentially embark upon an odyssey. It genuinely does have con air, it genuinely does have the same prison buses that you saw Harrison Ford in The Fugitive. They're all very good depictions. You're chained up. Your hands are chained, your feet are chained, you've got a chain belt round your, uh, your waist and your hands are attached to that. So you are shuffling along and there are blokes with guns all over the place. In fact, the worst experience I had was on Con Air. I had made the mistake prior to getting on the flight of, um, of drinking about a litre of fluid and had been on the flight about half an hour when I needed to go to the loo. But you don't go to the loo on a Conair flight when you want, you go when they want. And I had to wait a further two hours, and it's the closest I've ever come to wet myself in my adult life. When you took off, was that a good feeling? Elation, yeah, absolutely fantastic. Because I knew when, once the plane had actually taken off and was heading out across the pond, I thought, that's it, right, done, job done. Because the UK end is going to be so much more straightforward. And was that correct? Were you correct in that? No. The UK was a total and utter nightmare. Would you say that British jails were more dysfunctional? British jails are utterly dysfunctional. Compared to American ones? Yeah, on every conceivable level. Because you see people wandering around the landings who stoned out of their heads. 
More than American prisons? I saw none of it in America. None of it. If you get caught with drugs in an American prison, you are going to get absolutely hammered. At a minimum, it will be five years without parole slapped onto whatever sentence you already have. They just crucify you. My philosophy in life can be best encapsulated in two words, which is shit happens. The best single way not to get yourself mentally screwed up is to be able to look in the mirror and blame yourself. Because if you can blame yourself, you can forgive yourself. If you're constantly looking around for other people to blame for your misfortune, your mind will never be square. David is now back with his wife and kids. He now runs a bioenergy business and he's doing really well. Aside from foreign prisons, I've always been fascinated with Britain's young offender institutions. These are specialist jails for 18 to 25-year-olds that are notoriously violent and ineffective. And how old were you? 18. Had you ever been in a cell or anything like that? Nothing. This is Nikolai. He was arrested after a drunken prank went very badly wrong and charged with four counts of arson. I still remember it now, it still makes me like shake a little bit. When the judge was just like, oh, stand, and you have to stand or whatever else, and he said, for the first account, you get um, four years. And the minute he said four years, I felt all the blood just drain from my face, and I saw my, my mum and dad, um, and they just went completely pale. And then he said the second offence, four, and I was like, fuck, that's eight, I'm going to leave here when I'm like 30. And he just kept going. So by the fourth one, I thought, I'm serving 16 years. And then obviously he made it really clear that it's six years, served four. So he was making them concurrent? Yeah, concurrent. Yeah, so yeah. that was that was fortunate. So Ellsbury was double ACAT, which is the most violent young offenders prison within the, the whole of the UK. Just take any adult prison and increase the noise volume by like a thousand percent. And that's a why, why. Very immature. Say, for example, if an attractive female, they come onto the wing, people start smashing the doors shouting out derogatory things and you would have the wall shaking. So I remember being there when Love Island was on. Whenever like a girl said, oh, I don't like this boy, I actually like that boy, people would just start shouting and start smashing their cells. So lots of gang-related stuff? Shitloads, absolutely shitloads. Most of the guys that I was with were literally born into gangs. There were so many fights, there was so much aggression. You never knew who was coming after, you never knew if your canteen was going to get delivered, you never knew anything. I think if you've seen people murdered in front of you and people hang themselves, you, you kind of, it takes, it takes something out of you, right? Did you see things like that? Yeah. So you became quite desensitised to it? A hundred percent. I still think I'm a little bit low-key psycho in the sense that I find it hard to associate with other people's emotions and feelings. I'll be honest with you, I have felt the same thing. Yeah, There's situations I where I think I should be feeling more here and I'm not. Things that you see kind of stay with you mm. and... Your brain does push them to the back of your head until you start doing something like this. Mm. And then all of it starts to come to the fore. And how was it with your parents? How were your folks about it all? The social impact on your family is huge. They had a worse time than I did. How do you mean? My mum still has night terrors now. Have these horrible dreams and um, be really concerned for me. When I was first inside, she couldn't sleep properly for the first year. My dad apparently just went absolutely quiet and didn't speak to anybody for ages. That was the worst bit of jealousy, mom, on visits. If there was times I just didn't want to show up because I, I know what I'd seen. Did you feel responsible? Yeah, of course. It, yeah, they still do. For about two years, I just carried this boulder on their shoulders, slowly crushing them, and then eventually it got smaller. 
When I was inside, my limited media exposure never permeated the prison walls, and thankfully nobody knew who I was. It meant I could quietly document everything I saw from the shadows. But occasionally, people with far bigger profiles fall foul of the law, and their fame precedes them onto the prison wings. Hello. I'm sorry, I've come in quickly. Jump in, behind jump in. you there. That's um, all right. Hello, yeah, yeah. mate. Really nice to meet I'm so sorry, I'm no, hung over. Don't, don't. Like this is George Gilby, which is his real name. He's been a regular on Channel 4's Gogglebox and has also been on Celebrity Big Brother. In 2019, he was convicted of drink driving and the magistrate warned George that he faced a custodial sentence. We're in court. And you knew you were going to go down. Once they looked at your previous, you thought, I'm going to go down. Yeah, my previous, you know. But I didn't hurt anyone. But what you're saying, you got yourself a recess. There was a recess in the, in the magistrate's hearing. Yeah. What did you do in that recess? I went for a drink because I got told that people I knew inside, they said, if you come in drunk, you'll get onto our wing. And then I've gone over the road and I've had a few drinks. But I two bottles of wine and a double fucker, isn't it? <laughs> I didn't understand this of the offset. It sounds backwards, don't it? So your first night there, you're on the induction wing and you get a knock at the door saying... Have you passed your alcohol test? I went, no, I blew 81. They went, good, we can move you. And then they moved me over to the drug and alcohol rehabilitation wing because then I was in with a couple of my friends who was on the wing... And did you find people knew who you were because of Gogglebox? Did were people go? Yeah, yeah. To be honest, everyone was really nice. Within two days, I'm on Cerberus, so I can take food back to myself. Within three days, I'm on cleaners list, so I can come out of myself in the daytime, which is a luxury. I could get any drug or anything in that prison within an hour. Anything. Right, so from class bloody D's to class A's, like, heroin, crap, coke, anything, within an hour. And you were on the wing that was supposed to be getting people clean. Yeah, see, so we are in the rehabilitation wing. If I got put away for 10 years, I'd be on drugs every day in there. Without that, you'd bury it. I think I would have lost it if I would have got a longer term. George didn't take any drugs inside, but the trade was going on all around him. He soon bumped into an old friend, an Eastern European who had previously been fostered by George's parents, who had been viciously assaulted over a drug debt. So he's um, took out some sort of debt with whoever on the wing, and they've hurt him that bad that his jaw's hanging off his face. And it ain't a, a 200 grand drug, this is a 20 pound drug debt. 20 quid? Yeah, so now I've had to get involved, I can't leave that. I've turned around and I've gone, listen, stand back mate, I'll have it in your account tomorrow. I phoned mum up and I turned around and I went, Luke, he's in there, can you put 20 pound, I've got his prison number, can you put it in his account so he can pay the skeezer? Just to clear the debt so he wouldn't get any more shit? Yeah, I come out the next morning this geezer, he took a load more drugs off the bloke because I paid his bill. So the kid I'm trying to help is not actually as nice as I thought. Do you know what I, mean? I know that thing, you try and help someone and it's never clear cut, it's never black and white. 
you can't go in there unless you're doing a 2030 stretch. You can't do this thing where you ignore and do your own thing. You have to be in there 10 years before anyone respects your space. You have to turn into someone who you're not to... Survive? Yeah. I think I was a stupid boy and I understand the repercussions of what I did. The last week I was so anxious that something would happen to my little girl and I couldn't be next to her bed. Anxiety levels went up a thousand percent. How old was your girl when you went away? So she was three at the time. My boy was exactly the same age when I went away. Did she know what was going on, do you think? She didn't, but I explained it to her. I said, Daddy done something that was wrong, and then the police had to take him to the prison. I had to tell her because I never know one later on in life tell her, oh, your dad went away. And she cuddled me and went, all right, Daddy, I don't mind you going to work, but don't leave me again. That is what puts me off of ever going, I will never go to prison again. Lots of listeners have asked how they can help prisoners and their families. When I was inside, a charity called Storybook Dads recorded me reading one of my son's favourite books, The Snail and the Whale. They added music and effects and sent a CD to my son, Kit, and he played it constantly. He's still got it in his room. So if you've been touched by some of the stories in this podcast, then please donate to Storybook Dads. They do amazing work. You can also donate to the Samaritans, who run the excellent listener scheme, and the Shannon Trust, who have helped over 50,000 prisoners learn to read and write over 20 years. This has been A Bit of a Stretch, the podcast. It was written and produced by me, Chris Atkins. It was also produced by Victoria Hollingsworth. The music is by Vincent Watts. The sound mix was by Stephen Goldsmith. Since this podcast was recorded, some of these contributors have gone back inside, some of them several times. So I've written another book to find out why so many ex-prisoners re-offend again and again. It follows a colourful cast of criminals who just can't go straight, some of whom you'll recognise from this podcast. The book is called Time After Time, and it's available now. <laughs>